Welcome, everybody, to This Podcast Has Autism. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, this is Marcy. I'm with my husband, Bran. Um, today, we wanted to talk about meltdowns and autism. Meltdowns and temper tantrums are two different things. A meltdown is when a person with autism has been overloaded with their senses. A temper tantrum is just trying to get their way. And you can usually tell a difference. Meltdowns can be stressful when out in public because everyone seems to be watching and judging. Uh, my husband has some advice on how to de-escalate a meltdown. For parents out there with children with autism, you should have an emergency meltdown kit. In the kit, you should have a change of clothes, their favorite snacks, favorite fidget, favorite toy, maybe a handheld tablet or device, a pair of earplugs to block out noise, maybe an MP3 player to play their favorite music. The sky's the limit on what to put in these kits. These kits are good to use at home or when you're out and about. Now, for teenagers and adults, the kits might not be such a good idea because me personally, I wouldn't want to carry around a bag or a backpack everywhere I go. So the best things for teens and adults is to get pocket-sized fidget and an MP3 player or download music to, onto their phone to listen to and maybe some cool games and apps um, to de-stress onto their phone. And also carry a small disposable pair of uh, earplugs to block out noise. And the biggest thing you should do, regardless of how old you are, is keep track of your meltdowns. Parents, keep track of your kids. As teens and adults, keep track of your yourself. But write down what started the meltdown and what helped to get out of it. You aren't going to be able to prevent every meltdown. But if you could prevent one from happening from using these tricks, it can make a it can make your life a little easier on yourself. I know with me being a parent, and sometimes um, my wife, when she's at work and I'm watching my kids, it, it's hard for me to prevent meltdowns. Um, and you'll find this, you know, whether you're at home or work or at school, that you're not going to be able to prevent every meltdown because certain situations you just are uncontrollable. Like, because I'm a father, I got kids, you know, they're coming at me full force or whatever, and this is overwhelming me, and sometimes it causes me meltdowns. And my kids will tell you, I'll start screaming, yelling, and start hitting my fists on the wall or whatever. I do some really crazy stuff. <laughs> but you're not going to prevent them all. But if you can just prevent, if you can even prevent one or two or or you can prevent as many as you can, it'll just change your life. So now for our interview. So today we have Michaela with us. Michaela, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Michaela and um, I created a website called Edge of the Playground at the beginning of this year. I was diagnosed with ASD when I was five years old. I'm currently 26, and um, 
I was nonverbal for a lot of my early childhood. And after that, um, when I was diagnosed, there wasn't a whole lot of resources. I was kind of on the front end of when they really allowed people on the spectrum to try. So through a lot of intensive uh, speech therapy, OT, PT, pretty much anything you can think of, uh, I did eventually uh, gain verbal skills as well as complete college and then eventually law school. And now I work full-time in corporate America as well as running Edge at the Playground. Oh, wow, that is awesome. So so how did you manage to go from nonverbal to verbal? Uh, yeah, so the goal of Edge of the Playground is really um, to, help, to assist other people who are on the spectrum that need help with those life transitions that there just aren't uh, enough resources for or sometimes no resources at all. Uh, I think that's an area, adulthood transition especially, is an area where services are lacking. So my goal with that is to really provide roadmaps to people who are in need of it uh, because I've definitely been there and I know what it's like to not really have an idea of what to do. That's that's just amazing. <laughs> oh, Thank you. Yeah. So, so your topic was um, how transitioning from like college and to the workplace can you tell us about that from people who read my content about um you know they're transitioning into college or they're working um and it's really difficult because the social rules in adulthood change a lot than childhood so it's a little frustrating because you spend all this time in childhood really uh, memorizing and understanding the social cues of the world. And then when you get to adulthood, things can be a lot different. So for example, a smile may no longer mean, oh, I wanna be your friend. It could also now mean I'm romantically interested in you. So kind of navigating that is uh, a lot different and that's true too with going to college going to work because adulthood friends are a little bit different than childhood friends you don't have uh, the structure of seeing the same people every day yeah that you would normally have as a kid and so i think a lot of people even non-autistic people struggle with that kind of transition into adulthood and figuring uh, out your way around this world. So for college specifically, um, I think the main things are to be prepared beforehand um, and also kind of understand how you're going to make friends. And then also third, make sure you take care of yourself. So with the first, um, the preparation, a lot of colleges now have transition programs and it's not just for you know people on the spectrum but it can be for really anyone and it's for freshmen who just want to go to classes or uh, the campus early in order to get a lay of the land see how things work and it's usually a few weeks before classes start maybe a month 
Uh, and that's really great because you can make friends during those kinds of programs and have a friendly face beforehand and also kind of know what, what to expect. If it doesn't have that kind of program, I would highly recommend going on your own beforehand and just really mapping everything out. See where your classes are. Uh, find the classrooms, how long it takes you to walk each place. I know a lot of colleges um, look exactly the same. Every building is, you know, brick, and it's hard to uh, see the difference uh, between all the buildings. So going early can definitely alleviate a lot of stress beforehand because by the time you get to campus, you know where you're going. Yeah. I know when I was in college, I would always go like a day or two before school started, and I hunted down every classroom, and it just made life so much easier. <laughs> so I, I really like the tips that you gave. They're, they're really awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think it really just helps with the stress of not knowing where you're going to go. And I would say even in terms of planning your classes, um, one of the harder things about college or even work is that you're, uh, it's different from anything you've done before because you have a lot more time in between assignments. So you may meet in a class once a week and then not meet again for a whole other week or at work. You might be assigned a project and that project's not due until the end of the month. So it's important to kind of get a flow of all of these assignments, write them down, uh, look at the syllabus if you're working, look at your deadlines, and then reverse engineer those deadlines so you can figure out how much time each task or assignment is going to take, and then you can be sure that you're completing them on time in digestible steps instead of uh, forgetting about it and then having a big problem at the end. You had a website. Um, can you give us the website again? Uh, yes, it's edgeoftheplayground.com. Uh, and so I create um, a lot of basic tips kind of like that for anyone who is transitioning into adulthood or going through other kinds of transitions uh, where they're just not really sure about steps to take. Um, so being someone who's been through college and law school and it has been working now for two years um, in an office environment, I really try to incorporate all that into uh, the website to help other people. I think, too, uh, one of the most important things for work and college is to create a routine. So we thrive on routine. It's how we get things done. It's how we're able to kind of cope with the sensory onslaught that is constantly um, bombarding us so we know what to expect. And like I said, college and work is different because you're not seeing the same people every day. Um, you might see them at lunch, but it's not like you all have the same classes together and you see each other all the time. Um, you kind of have to create that. So because you have all this free time, um, it can be easy to just kind of keep to yourself. And I know I, for one, 
uh, am guilty of this sometimes. I like to keep to myself more than I probably should sometimes. But uh, in order to create more of a social life in college or in work, it's important to kind of sit back and think about what it is you enjoy and then put yourself out there, even if it's only once a week, and then incorporate that into your routine. So, for example, you could say that, um, going, say you like going for walks. So, you would say on Saturday, for example, that's your one day a week where you're going to, you know, find a friend and you're going to go for walks together. That's kind of great because not only are you doing something you enjoy, but you're doing it with someone who also enjoys that. So you're already like-minded in that one activity. And then if the friendship starts to grow, you can expand it by saying, hey, I really like uh, taking walks with you or going to book club with you. Do you want to see a movie? And that allows you to then see that person in a different context and kind of deepen the friendship because you're now doing more than one activity together. And then eventually that will build into a full friendship. I think it's uh, great, too, to do things that you enjoy because it, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. So it, it's not like you're at this crazy uh, concert with a million people and you're being bombarded by all the sensory and you're trying to get to know somebody. If you're getting to know someone in a setting that you already enjoy, then you're going to be more relaxed. And because you're more relaxed, I think that I found anyway, the socialization comes a lot more easily because I'm able to just focus on that one person or those two people and I'm already kind of in my natural setting, so to speak. So yeah. I'm a lot more at ease and over time I start to associate that socialization with positivity because I'm always socializing with that person in places that I enjoy. In college, um, it, it's, it's great because, you know, they have so many different clubs, things like that, uh, that you can sign up for, and you can meet like-minded people that way, whether it's a, a book club or a movie club, whatever. Uh, and you can basically meet people who have the same interests as you outside of class. If you're working full-time, it's a little different because yeah. you don't have – you know, the structure of, oh, we have clubs going on and we have this going on. <laughs> but there's, there's great um, apps out there now, like Meetup and Facebook events. I use those all the time to find out what's going on around me. And Meetup especially is great because they have events that are capped sometimes, so only a certain amount of people can go. That for a book club that is capped at 10 people. And then you know, okay, I kind of know what I'm getting myself into. So it's, it's a little different. I think college is a bit easier in the sense that there are all these clubs going on so you can meet people uh, a little bit more easily than if you're just working full-time. When you're working full-time, you have to make more of a conscious effort to put yourself out there and find out the events going on around you. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. When I was in college, it was so much easier to interact with people. But yeah, now that I'm not in college and stuff, yeah, it's a lot harder. About the only people nowadays I interact with, it's just my family. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's hard because you're going to work and then you're just driving home and then you're home. And especially if you live alone or even if you just live with your family, that's really all the interaction you're getting. And then college, of course, is the flip side. Uh, It is very hard to get alone time in college because you're constantly around people in class, uh, walking around, and then if you have a roommate, then... Of course, you're around them, too. So I think it's important to establish alone time if you're transitioning to college, just finding ways where you can know you'll be alone and have that time to recharge. That was really important to me. So if you're unable to get a single dormitory just to yourself, I would early on establish rules and boundaries with a roommate. Uh, because it's much harder to then down the line be like, oh, I know we didn't talk about this before, but I'm actually not okay with you having, you know, all these people over on weeknights that are reasonable. Um, Like, no people in the dorm after 8 p.m. on a weeknight or something like that. Then, you know, going forward, the rules and what to expect and how to best respect each other's space. Yeah, so setting boundaries right off is definitely a a big thing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And in college, too, I think people forget you can ask for help. Um, Student uh, student life is pretty big at most places, and they have all kinds of resources to help any kind of student that is transitioning. And it's not just autistic people that struggle with the transition into work or college. I mean, it's a big life change for anybody. So these organizations exist for us to be able to go to them and say, I'm having, you know, trouble understanding the professor's expectations um, or I'm having trouble getting involved and making friends. They have, you know, counselors or student student life resources that can help you with that and also help you with learning accommodations. Yeah, de- definitely. Uh, there, There's all kinds of uh, accommodations you can get for um, for school. Um, I know I had to get a few accommodations for myself because I have uh, some learning disabilities. I have um, short, short-term memory loss and I have um, dyslexia. So I had to get... Um, some resources for for school when I was in school. Absolutely. And professors and supervisors or bosses, whoever, I have found are generally willing to help you as long as you advocate for yourself. So if you're having, if you're struggling understanding the expectations of a project um, or you find that you're misreading the syllabus, then it's, it's okay to approach the professor and, and ask them for their expectations and tell them how you're interpreting it, and then they will understand where you're coming from and help you to get on track with what it is they are expecting. 
And the same is true for a boss or a supervisor. It's okay to uh, clarify a project or an assignment with them to make sure that you're meeting the goals that they want. Oh, definitely. Uh, But one thing I found, though, when I was in school, I had one teacher uh, just rubbed me the wrong way and just didn't really understand my disabilities and stuff. And so because of that, I wanted up switching majors. And once I switched majors, my other teachers, they were pretty good. They, they worked with me and they helped me and they helped me achieve my diploma. And then also in the workplace, other people, like some, some bosses, they, they, they'll work with you and then other bosses, they'll just throw their hands up in the air and don't know what to do. Yes, that's definitely an issue. Um, I think for everyone, it's it's hard to find that good team dynamic. Uh, And, you know, in college, it's great because, like you said, you have the ability to just take the professors that work with you. I know I did that. Um, I took all the professors that I just loved and loved their teaching style, who worked with me, things like that. The workplace is harder because you can't necessarily escape your boss uh, or your supervisor. Uh, My advice for being in that kind of situation is to just do your best and always clarify to the best of your ability. Yeah, no, that makes total sense, yeah. And overall, I think, you know, getting used to a college campus or being in an office is different, but it's doable. Uh, the sensory is definitely difficult. I know that for me, I work in an open office with cubicles because I work for a pretty large corporation. So um, there's a lot of employees and they save on space. So that's just how it is. But there are still things you can ask for. Um, just very simple boundaries and things to ask people like, oh, can you um, knock on my cube before coming into my space so that I know you're over there? Or can you send me an email or Skype me before you come into my cubicle so I can process it and get back to your question when when I have an answer? All of those things are perfectly okay to set as a boundary. And I, in fact, have a lot of coworkers that do set that as a boundary, and they're not autistic. So um, it's just important to do what you know will make you successful, Uh, whether that be asking for an extra privacy screen or asking for a single dorm room. Just whatever it is that's going to make you most comfortable is going to help you uh, in terms of having a good experience. Yeah, and I like the part that you mentioned that uh, even people that aren't autistic, they even ask for some of these accommodations. Absolutely. I think we forget sometimes that a lot of these situations are daunting for them as well. Obviously not to the extent as it is for us because we have all this sensory uh, going on along with other things. But they also, you know, if they're in a huge cubicle open floor plan are also probably annoyed by all the noise and all the people walking by. So that in turn gives you a leg up because 
they're going to be more understanding when you come to them and say, hey, can I wear noise-canceling headphones? Because they're going to get it, that it's loud, and you need that in order to concentrate. Oh, for sure. Well, do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap things up? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much it. Just um, really overall, it's important to just focus on the things that make you happy. And if you do that, then you will ultimately end up finding people that are like-minded. And that is the key to finding lasting adult friendships. That's just great advice, and we appreciate you coming on to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, if anyone needs more information like this, they can definitely check out Edge's Playground. Uh, I post pretty much every week, so lots of content there. All right, well, thanks again. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. Until next time.